This is the Rockabomb Podcast. Uh, this is Brian, and I'm on the phone with Kenny Child- Childers. 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 <laughs> from Gentleman, Gentleman Caller from uh, Gentleman Bloomington. Gentleman Caller, that's me. Gentleman Caller from Bloomington, right? Yep. Uh, and uh, we're going to ask Kenny a couple questions. I'm going to ask Kenny a couple questions. Rob's not on the show today. Um, about the new record, uh, which is called Versus the Elephant, correct? Yeah. Yep, Gentleman Collar versus the Elephant. So is, that, is the official title Gentleman Collar versus the Elephant or just versus the Elephant? Uh, it's Gentleman Collar versus the Elephant. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's us in the ring with our elephants. Gotcha. Uh, why don't you talk? Since we're on the topic, why don't you talk a little bit about what what is the Elephant? Well, on this on this record. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of different elephants, but, but but basically it's it's you know it's the, the elephant in the room is is uh, is what I'm talking about for the most part, and and uh, and the 
and the reason I, I, uh, I, I use that title is because um, there's just a lot of subject matter on this record that's sort of uncomfortable to address for me. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, this is the first time, you know, I've written songs for a long time. This is the first time I've kind of mined uh, things like, you know, my my upbringing in a, in a Pentecostal church and, and just things that, like, aren't the most rock and roll sort of topics to talk about. <laughs> right. You know, it's sort of a, 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 a therapy record, I guess. <laughs> So you uh, you are the the song singer and songwriter the primary songwriting force for the band correct yeah yeah um, how, what else who else composes of the band uh, just I guess basically if you could paint paint uh, someone listening a picture of uh, what gentleman caller is the gentleman caller is more of a guild uh, than a band um, to sort of paraphrase uh, uh, Robert Pollard um, we don't really have a set lineup for shows we have uh we have as many as nine or ten people um involved in that guild but when we play live we'll we'll have anywhere from you know uh from from one member to to nine um so it just uh it just it kind of depends on what what the venue is and what what uh, the time constraints are for the people involved and and just kind of what I feel like doing, I guess. It's sort of <laughs> dependent upon my whims a little bit. Um, but yeah, so so we don't really function as kind of a normal uh, a normal band. Everybody, uh, most of the people involved in the band kind of have their own projects going on as well. Um, I have a lot of. Uh, I, I I really prefer to play with songwriters over people who consider themselves like lead guitar players or whatever, just because. Um, you know, I I don't I like I like efficiency with songs, and I like uh, 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 this this sort of uh, um, I, uh, a more economic approach to arrangement. And I think that songwriters in general um, are going to think uh, about how to approach a song as a songwriter, as opposed to like, okay, this is my part where I play a lead guitar part. Right. This you know, is I, the part I like where I solo. People. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't really care for guitar solos or any kind of solos, but there are some solos on this record, actually. <laughs> uh, the first, it's the first Joe McCall record that kind of features guitar solos, but they're more like really great parts than solos. And I think yeah. Chris Cooper Smith, who is our kind of hotshot lead guitar player, he he uh, he's kind of really just he's got his own. You know, he's he's probably the best singer in the band too. Really, <laughs> you know, he's got his own projects going on, but. But he kind of really figured out how to be a really great lead guitar player, you know, in the process of recording this record. So, cool. cool. Do uh, how many? What kind of? I guess catalog does Gentleman Caller have? I had mentioned before we started recording that um, I had heard of uh, your band before, but, yeah. but before this record, I had actually never had the opportunity to listen to you. Um, and I guess can you talk a little bit about the history of the band? Or the guild. Well, we've got yeah, we've got uh, we've got three records out, and then uh, and then we also released a single somewhere in the middle of that. Um, our first record, uh, Ice Water, was recorded back in um, back in I think we released it in in the fall of 2001, so it was recorded in the year prior, uh, and it was just done by myself and Derek Ritchie um, in his living room, um, you know, on a four track basically. 
and and uh, we never uh, we didn't play live at all. You know, I didn't even have there were no members of the band other than Derek and I uh, until we put that record out, and it was like, oh, we got we probably are going to have to play shows now. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of down back more. Uh, you know, kind of, it was kind of a backwards approach to starting band. So we we listened to the song "The Locust," which is the uh, opening track from "Versus the Gentleman Caller Versus the Elephant." Uh, can you t- talk a little bit about that song? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that song is just, uh, um, um, yeah, I guess it's kind of the opposite of a, of a love letter <laughs> in a way. Um, I, uh, I tend to, um, you know, most of the, the characters in my songs are usually kind of a jumbled, characters and situations are kind of a jumbled mix of, um, you know, real and imaginary people and, and situations. Um, and that this song is sort of no, uh, no different. Uh, um, it it, uh, it 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 sort of just addresses like a, a silly little situation that was kind of unpleasant interaction that I had with somebody, and and uh, and and you know dramatizes it, makes it match the the, the movie in my head. Right. Um, it's uh, it's uh, there's a lot of it's it's. It basically takes a little silly, little tense situation and and makes something apocalyptic out of it. Cool. Um, the one thing that, that I was I was going to ask you about so you were talking earlier about the like you know lead guitar parts and like how there's not really solos but there's just like really good parts. And when you said that, right. it made me think of the kind of like opening guitar riff in uh, the song "The Locust." Uh, for some reason, that always catches me every time it. Whenever time it plays, I just I smile when I hear that part because, um, it, it's hard for me to like verbalize how it sounds, but it it sounds like kind of I, awkward, but in a really awesome way, like in an right, in, 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 in an intentional way, and I like that about that little lead when it comes in. Right. Well, that yeah. That, the the way I always say that Chris uh, Coopersmith, who played that part, and he plays most of the lead parts on this record, his. His greatest weapon is his self-loathing, and the the way the way that, that I can always get a, a really exciting performance out of him is by like just putting him in a guitar booth and not saying anything, and he'll you know he'll kind of spend a lot of time trying to come up with a part and eventually get really pissed off at himself, and then he'll just do a part that's kind of making fun of trying to play a part <laughs> which is what that 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 song is basically that's what that lead part is it was just great you know it sounds yeah. like he's playing a funny he sounds like he's playing a real lead guitar part but he's falling down the stairs at the same time yeah that's that's so that's, that's so yeah whenever we get him to that point where he's where his head where he's got smoke coming out of his ears and his head's about <laughs> to explode and he's about to quit the band that's when you know we hit record I think that's how most guitarists are. I play guitar as well, and I think if if you're talking to anyone else in the band I play, and they'd say the same thing. I've actually, the funny thing, the funny thing is, is I've actually learned how to control that. It's like we, as you know, we're writing, we're going through our songwriting process. It's like about the time that I'm ready to quit the band. Yeah. I just I just take it, you know, I pause for a second, take a couple deep breaths, because I know that if I really if I really get upset and you know, cause a scene, like if I just let that yeah. go. Then we're gonna come back, and that's where the song's about ready to get awesome. <laughs> it's, like, right. it's like I'm like, okay, just take a deep breath, 
because you're almost you're almost ready to quit the band. That means it's, something's about to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. See, and Chris is like he's the kind of guy that he's not going to he's not going to take it out by freaking out and screaming and yelling. He's just going to his guitar. The way that I best would best describe his his lead guitar playing is it's sarcastic. Yeah. You know. And I think that that's that's the way that that that. So I mean, even though like, you know, it's, it's the emotion is really real, and I think it really kind of it really takes that song into into uh, it, it gives it the chaos that it kind of needs, right? Um, to keep it from just being kind of a traditional, um, you know, 50 sounding song or whatever. Um, yeah, I think that uh, that. That it's his, uh, you know, to get him to that point, he's he, he's that part is, is sarcastic. That's what he, yeah. that's what it was when he played it the first time. I, I love it. So, um, next we're gonna listen to "Dress for Yourself." Uh, can you give a little introduction to that song before we uh, listen to that? Yeah, yeah, that uh, that song for all you uh, young modern rock kids out there. I um, the the truth of the matter is is. The, the first it, it, the song was written forever ago, like eight years ago, I guess, back in uh, 2000, I guess. And uh, this band from New York came and played birdies in Indianapolis called The Strokes, which some of you may have heard of. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, I I was at that show and um, I misunderstood what something that the singer said, which I thought was really great. And so I wrote it on the inside of my jacket, and um, it was dressed for yourself. And then, uh, um, and then that night, I kind of had a dream about that song, that it was a song. And so, oddly, uh, as odd as it sounds, that song was kind of written in a dream. Oh, that's so. That's not what he said, though. No, I don't uh, know what he said. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't that. I remember here. I saw the Strokes one other time. It wasn't at that show, but um, I I remember seeing them and I couldn't understand anything he said. Right, <laughs> so. right. Yeah, it was. I've done that before, where I've kind of misunderstood a, a lyric in a song or a line in a song or something, and then when I find out that that's not really the lyric, and I'm like, oh great, it, it can be mine now. Yeah, <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so all right, this is uh, dress for yourself.
people can expect from this record since I'm only giving them the rock song. <laughs> well, it's got, I think that um, the, the last couple of records, this record has probably got more rock songs on it than any of the three for sure, but uh, uh, but I, I do tend to, to write a lot of songs on acoustic guitar and kind of, that's where I start and usually, or, or it, it has been up until pretty recently, that's, you know, I kind of, I kind of sit around at home with an acoustic guitar and I tend to write more songs um, um, when I'm tired and grouchy uh, than I do otherwise. And I think that that, 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 that gives, um, you know, I think that, that the mood of some of the songs just matches that. And, uh, and so I think that you, you, you're going to hear a lot of... Um, a lot of slow songs on it too that are that that are really f f fleshed out with with a lot of instrumentation but uh but um but yeah i think that there's a lot of bad moods on the record i yeah i uh i see seems like the, there always needs to be some sort of like I don't know, emotional connection to to writing songs it's like it's hard to i i have a tendency to like you know, whenever I like come up, like I said, I mentioned before, I play guitar. Whenever I'm play, sitting around playing guitar, it's like I always seem to come up with the best stuff when I'm like half asleep, laying on the couch, and all I want to really do is be asleep, but I can't. <laughs> right. I, it's like you, you, I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing. So that's exactly yeah, that's exactly it. I think that you know my uh, that I'm much, you know, I think that the, that my musical vehicle goes to a lot more interesting places when I'm not sitting in the driver's seat when I'm kind of half asleep in the back because uh, I think that that um, you know I think that there's a certain channeling um, effect to you know a certain channeling feel to the most sort of omniscient feeling songs mm -hmm. and um, you know I think that's the hardest thing to do as a songwriter is just stay out of the way and um, and that seems to be the easiest to do when you kind of are tired and sleepy enough to let your subconscious kind of run crazy. Right. Um, so what about, what, what can you tell me about influences? Uh, well, I, I, I really am crazy about a lot of music that was made in the, in the, in the 60s. I really, really am crazy about the Kinks and um, the Velvet Underground and, and uh, early Rolling Stones and, and uh and a lot of British invasion stuff like that. I really like the zombies and, um, you know, that, that's, that's the mo you know, I think that the, the, one of the thing that it, things that appeals to me about that music is a lot of it sounds like it was kind of made without overthinking it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of made in a hurry, you know, it's like it was back before, you know, fans had like two years to spend in a two in a studio, like, screwing things up by making it sound perfect. Yeah, it's like the... You know, it's got all those... And Bob, Bob Dylan stuff, the early Bob Dylan stuff, you just hear all the mistakes and all the imperfections, and there's just something more connecting about that than hearing something that sounds perfect. I, I like the fact that you're not sure if this if this is, you know, this car is going to stay on the road or not. I right. think that that's more, exci that's more exciting to me. We used to... Uh, yeah. I, I talked with someone once. We were talking about how, uh, you know, you can record in a studio with uh, 
I, we're, I think it was someone we're talking about recording demos or something, and we're talking about how, you know, it's easy for bands to get, to, like, record something with, like, a microphone in a room and have it say, oh, this is, like, a crappy-sounding demo that we did, and it's, like, you know, I read this article once about how there was, you know, tons of Elvis songs that were recorded with one microphone in a room. Right. <laughs> like, you know, right. it's, like, and it's, like, we're, you know... It's like I can buy for a pretty. You, know, you can go to Guitar Center and pick up an eight-track FireWire interface for a, you know, cheap laptop and record an eight-track digital recording and come out with something that sounds way better than anything that would have, you, you know, you've been able to record with ten years ago and somehow it's still not good enough. <laughs> right. I, I do. I do think that the more time I spend on on recording stuff, the worse it ends up sounding. My favorite. My favorite thing on the record, as far as like the way it sounds, is the last song on the on the record, um, "Dead Language," and it was recorded live in in a in a friend of mine's basement. You know, we'd spend all this time in studios, like kind of recording, re-recording, and mixing and everything. And then that song, we just kind of throw up like two mics and yeah, and do the do the vocals and acoustic live and and uh, and with the drums and. And uh, and it comes out sounding just more um, more personal and, and authentic than than any anything else on the record to me. And and uh, I don't know why uh, you know I have that. Oh, we constantly have that internal battle going on, which is like you want to fix things that are broken. But my favorite recordings out there uh, have something broken about them. So. Yeah. Um. Well, the, la- the last song we're going to listen to here is my, uh, my personal favorite from the record, and that's Mood Ring. And uh, the one thing that I really, the, I think the reason I like the song is it reminds me a lot of uh, uh, the band Pulp. Um, oh, yeah. Heard, definitely heard a lot of, uh, a lot of um, Jarvis Cocker in this song, and I really, really like that. And I think that's one of the reasons why it stuck out to me. And I've definitely rocked this one. Well, something snapped this morning when I pulled into the road. Happy birthday, baby. I don't really want to go from one stop sign to another wearing somebody else's clothes. And daddy's calling and Josh's broken nose. And your sister on the phone Smoking menthol 100s Painting all her skin toes And I wandered to the front porch Singing With a bottle in my hand I'd like to make you understand Gotta have a witness, baby If you wanna make a stand With the mood ring stuck, I'm nervous 
you want to talk about needles and pins, we all had something in common. None of us were willing. I threw a pop can at your mother, and the dog is barking again. So happy birthday, baby. I got you some medicine. As the sunlight dies and I'm feeling nothing Come on honey, please let's go You ain't doing nothing but getting old So happy birthday, baby That's all she wrote second that Jarvis Cocker wasn't in Pulp for some reason and that I... Oh, no, no, he is. <laughs> yeah, like, he definitely is. I have a habit of confusing uh, in my head, sometimes turning around psychedelic furs and Pulp because I discover them at the same time. Oh, okay, So, yeah. I, like, they're very different bands, but for some reason they both start with P, and I have a hard time. Right. <laughs> I'm a huge, huge fan of the psychedelic furs. I, uh, I have been for... for for a couple of decades. You know, I went to see the psychedelic first and they played in Indianapolis. Yeah, I remember that. I missed it, but I, I but I but I heard about it. I really wish I wouldn't have went. Is that right? Yeah, to be honest with you, I really wish I would not have went because and to give them credit, it was like the it was a surprise show and it was like a pre-tour show, I think. Like they yeah. weren't like they were getting ready to go back on a tour and it's sort of like a practice show or something and it was like just not what I had kind of ex- I would have expected yeah I saw that I was just kind of like uh I was just kind of let down and I knew that like I sh- I felt like I should have known better than to let myself get let down yeah but I already had <laughs> so, right but. I uh, I we uh I I was in a band you know 15 years ago or whatever that uh opened for um, this band called Love Spit Love, which was oh yeah, I remember that man. Yeah, it was the the singers um, like not early nineties kind of grungy project. They had that and, song. Ah, um, uh, oh, what was the name of that sing the single? Hold on. They had a song called Wake Up. They had I can't remember Half Alive or something. It sounded like REM kind of. Yeah. yeah. I don't, Hold on. But, uh, I think it's. I think I've got it on my phone, actually. No, nope, I don't. I'm sitting in front of a laptop here, so I'm gonna. I must know. So yeah, I had the same kind of experience. It was like, you know, I, I couldn't. I, I, as excited as I was to like, to kind of see those people, them in person, him in person, it was kind of a letdown. Yeah, uh, it was called Am, Am I Wrong? That yeah. Was, that okay. Was the, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. That was I big, remember that one too. What's funny is that I uh, I had that song in iTunes for a long time, and I forgot about that band and that song, and it came on. I was like, and since I'd, it's like I heard that when I was, uh, you know, in the 90s, I heard that song, and then um, 
I'm going to show my age here a little bit. Like I, I actually heard love spit love way before I heard the psychedelic verse. Right. <laughs> so, you know, cause I mean, I, I, you know, I was in high school, like, you know, about the time the grunge scene hit. And so, you know, like I'm, I heard that band. I never really thought much of them. And then I, I came across the, the CD or something. And I threw it in iTunes. It was on my iPod and the song comes on. And I'm like, Man, that song. That guy sounds like the singer from Psychedelic Furs. It's weird. How did he? Right. How did he nail that guy? That guy's voice so good. And then I was right. like, Wait a minute, <laughs> it's the same guy. <laughs> right. So, um, well, uh, I guess my last question is, uh, um, what? Uh, just what else do you? What's going? What else is coming up with? Uh, Gentleman caller, I know that the the new records on MF, MFT Records, which is uh, Musical Family Tree Records, that's a new label, right? Right. Um, yeah. Um, well, we'll just be kind of doing this, doing our our same routine, which is just we're just going to play some shows to support it, and uh, and then you know I, I'm I'm also going to probably be putting a solo record out, um, which will just be. I'll just I'll just put it online for free, probably at Musical Family Tree. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the I think that's kind of where my where my mind is and where my thoughts are right now is just uh, uh, I'm I'm thinking about um, you know at the, at this stage in in the game I just want to be able to you know I just want to have a reason to record because that's what I really care about doing more than anything that's what really matters to me is and what I really um what I really care about is is writing songs and and recording them that that process is just really important to my sanity um okay. and I think that you know in the future I'm going to I'm going going to use a, a um more online mechanisms to just you know put put things out for free and and right. um, and just kind of a more immediate relationship with um, you know recording them and then immediately putting them up. And I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to go about doing that, but but um, you know, I mean, I think that you know it's fun putting together CD projects and 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 uh, getting the artwork together. You know, I think that's you know that's all that's that's going to always have its place. I think the the relationship between artwork and music is is really cool. But at the, the, at the same time, um, you know, it's it's becoming more and more of a novelty than uh, yeah. uh, than how people really get their music. Yeah, I, uh, I actually was just talking to someone about that the other day about um, uh, the. I keep going back to talking about my own band, and I don't mean to do that. But <laughs> we oh, recently okay. we recently released a, a free EP, uh, much for the same reason. Like we recorded it all ourselves. We as a some demo material um, for a new bass player and then sat on it for a while and decided, you know, we should do something with this and just get it out of our hands. And we should have done something right. with it uh, the year before when we recorded it. <laughs> but um, right. it took us a long time to realize, oh, yeah, we did record this stuff, didn't we? But uh, um, yeah, we found ourselves writing new material and we're like, we're, we're going to miss the ability to use those songs for anything. So... Uh, but we we did a a, a a physical disc as well um, for people who wanted it. But I mean, it's it's hard to sell something when you're giving it away for free on your website. So <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. Any shows coming up or anything like that? Any tour plans? 
Uh, we actually we we're actually trying to book our own tour with a a, a woman named Faith Clevenger, who's a, a friend of ours, and she's a, uh, um, a a solo artist out in New York, and and uh, we've toured with her before, and but we don't actually have any we don't have any solid dates booked yet, but we're in the process of trying to book something cool. uh, for that um, probably in the, in the springtime. Cool. Uh, so, so yeah, we'll 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 be around. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for talking to me today. And uh, this is the Rockabomb podcast, and uh, that we've been talking today with Kenny Childers from Gentleman Caller. Thanks. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Rock-a-bomb.